Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Jörn Larsson. In this episode, we speak to Dr. Faraz Mughal, who is a GP and National Institute for Health Research Doctoral Fellow, School of Medicine, Keele University in the UK, of course. And the paper is Experiences of General Practice Care for Self-Harm, a Qualitative Study of Young People's Perspectives. So uh, we know that young people who self-harm present to their GPs, but their perceptions of care have been largely unexplored. Uh, that paper puts some of that to rights, but I started by asking Farah to tell us a little bit more about what's known about self-harm and young people so we can understand the background a little bit more fully. Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, thank you for the invitation. Um, self-harm is a common problem, unfortunately, in young people. You know that in young people up to the age of 25, around one in four um, would have harmed themselves previously. Um, we also know that self-harm is a key is the most important risk factor for suicide, um, increasing suicide risk by up to 50 times. In the NHS, um, young people who self-harm see GPs the most often for, for care across all parts of the NHS. So general practice has an important part to play in offering young people self-harm care. Um, we know recently from primary care electronic health data research that the numbers of episodes of self-harm presenting in primary care are increasing, especially in young females. And we also know, importantly, some recent BJGP research a few years ago um, found that the peak age of overdosing on antidepressants, anti-inflammatories and opioid medications um, in young people were at the higher end of a young person's age, so um, from 16 to 24. Um, so bearing this in mind, um, self-harm is important for general practice to be aware of. It's topical. Um, it's associated with um, distress, anxiety, depression, and if left unsupported and untreated, it can lead to future self-harm, poor employment and education, outcomes and suicide. Yeah. So um, some really important numbers there. And as you mentioned, you know, 26% lifetime prevalence, one in four, that's really quite marked, isn't it? Um, tell us a little bit about, and the other thing I would say is that I think perhaps we would all agree that perhaps uh, primary care services for young people haven't always been ideally set, set up. And we can talk a little bit more about that. Tell us a little bit more about what you did in your study. Yeah, so thank you. So in our research, we um, interviewed 13 young people um, towards the latter half of 2019. Um, they were from around England, um, between the ages of 16 to 25. Those that we interviewed um, successfully were from the age of 19 to 25. And we had three main um, areas of inquiry. This was all informed by patient public involvement we established a new group for young people self-harm specifically at Keele School of Primary Care. Um, we were really interested in young people's help-seeking behaviours, their experiences of GP care and, um, and barriers and facilitators to accessing general practice care for self-harm specifically. So we undertook same structure interviews. Um, there were a combination of both face-to-face -face and telephone and that suited the young people who expressed an interest. Um, in terms of those young people who took part in the interviews, um, the majority of them were young females. 
um, and all of them were in educational, um, all of them were in, at the moment of the interview, were in um, a form of education, either further education or higher education. Shall we, let's get to it. Tell us what you found. We generated three main themes. Um, first, you, the first one was around help-seeking avenues that young people um, go towards um, avenues of help-seeking, which include um, significant others, such as parents, partners, friends and family. Um, and they could either enable or hinder the young person in their help-seeking for self-harm. Um, for example, in one one young person really had a partner supported their ability to feel confident enough to go to the GP for self-harm care. The second main theme that we found were the barriers to accessing general practice care. And within this, um, sub-themes included um, young people feeling disappointed around their experiences of seeing GPs for self-harm. And also they had fears around if they were to go to their GP and disclose self-harm openly, this may lead to um, the GP hospitalising the young person through an emergency admission to mental health services. It may lead to a, a breach of confidentiality that the young person was really concerned about. And also um, a general fear of stigma hindered young people in going to the general practice for care. The last main theme that we found was around facilitators for accessing general practice care. Um, and importantly, young people um, found that continuity of care with one GP really helped them in their self-harm care journey. Um, and within this, um, they, they described that they preferred seeing GPs who, who took time, a little, a little bit of time um, in the consultation to listen to their story around um, self-harm um, and who, who proactively followed up these young people. Um, in practice, not just having one consultation and not putting a plan to review and see how things go moving forward. I noticed in your paper you had the, under the heading relationship-based care, which will be very popular with the college, of course, who are pushing that just now. But um, as I've said many times on this podcast before, you know, the, the, the improved continuity and improved time with the GPs, uh, increased time with the GPs is a, is a perennial favourite here. But again, in this, in, for these people, these young people, that was also particularly important. You mentioned one there about shorter waiting times as well was one of the little sub-themes. What was that about? Yeah, that was really interesting. And we had a discussion about this within the, within the, within the research team, which consists of people with um, expertise and backgrounds in social sciences, general practice, anthropology. And often we hear um, in the media, you know, complaints, well, a complaint around general practice uh, can be a long time to, to see a GP. In, in our research, young people found that generally at the point or just um, preceding the point of self-harm, they're generally uh, feeling a lot of distress, psychological distress, maybe feelings of being overwhelmed or um, feelings of hopelessness. And they really did not want to um, hang on a couple of weeks till they could see that GP. So it was around um, being able to access the GP faster than a routine appointment. And of course, in current NHS care, there are opportunities for urgent and emergency appointments, for example, on the day. And we would encourage general practice teams to, to not dismiss self-harm as being something, if a young person feels that they need to speak to a GP on that day, to take it seriously. 
Still is a challenge that though, isn't it? Because as you say, when we've just talked about the fact that continuity and that relationship-based care, obviously there's always a weight, there's always a balance between access and necessarily the individuals, isn't there? So that's a, it's a difficult challenge. So if we put all this together, what would you, what do you think your research, what, what should we, what should we be doing differently in terms of the systems? What could individual GPs and their practices do differently to try to, to help the situation with young people and self-harm? Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting question. So we, in the figure two in the paper, we've come up with five points that we feel will be useful for GPs in practice on the ground to lean on. And these cover things like, you know, what to ask when self-harm is disclosed, ensuring um, correct uh, coding in records now. Um, if a new medication is started, for example, an antidepressant, just ensure um, the quantity and things are reviewed. Um, and, that, and that's in the paper in figure two. Thinking about the system as a whole, it's not only reliant upon the GP, but we need to think a bit broader. So practices can become youth more youth-friendly, and this can be around ways of digitalization, of accessing appointments, information and self-help on websites. And I think this is already happening um, generally, and I think COVID has, has um, quickened up some of the, some of these things in practice as well. I think the key thing around practices and systems is that flexibility of, of GP appointments. So as with um, the majority of young people, they have hectic lives, they do different things, whether it's employment or education. And um, I think we need to try and be slightly more flexible in arranging appointments um, that suit the young person to really try to get that continuity of care embedded within daily practice. Um, outside of general practice, um, we need public health organisations, local authorities and the NHS to really support young people in feeling confident to access care through general practice. Um, a key barrier was young people feeling they lack knowledge on self-harm generally, but quite interestingly, not only on, not only on knowledge of self-harm, but on how to get a GP appointment. There were still young people not really aware how to book a GP appointment. And these were young people over the age of 16, which is the usual kind of arbitrary figure that we think about in practice. Um, so, you know, it's it's wider system approaches, as you say, but also individual clinician-led um, approaches too. Faraz, that's incredibly helpful. I think some really useful suggestions there. And I, I certainly would uh, point listeners towards figure two and the sort of the five recommendation there recommendations there for GPs um, and the summary as well in, in uh, figure one of the barriers to understand a little bit more about this. Um, that's been extraordinarily useful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again.